Hello everybody, welcome back to the Dragon's Library. So today is the last day of 2021. <sighs> Good riddance. <laughs> uh, moving into 2022, hopefully a slightly less shitty year. But before we finish this year up, I wanted to go ahead and go over basically everything we've been doing this year uh, on the podcast. So, you know, this is where I'm going to go ahead and tell you what my favorites of the year were. And maybe how my opinions changed on a few things. Alright? Uh, this video is going to be a little different because I've actually prepared a few notes for this. You know, a bit more specific. But, um, yeah. For the for reference, this will only be about things that came out this year. Um, I do a lot of older reviews for older books, movies, and shows. And especially video games. Those will not count right now. I will only be talking about stuff that either came out or finished this year. Uh, depending on what medium it's in. Okay? Now, let's get started with the things that my opinion has changed on. First up, I was a bit too harsh on Encanto. Um, when I reviewed that, I was like, eh, the songs are kind of forgettable. But that was before I had them looped in my playlist for, you know, the last month or so. So, I will freely admit, all those songs are bombs. Uh, please listen to them. In addition to that, uh, I kind of softened on Black Widow. I liked it a lot more when I first saw it in theaters, but it might have been the first the whole, this is the first Marvel movie we've had in, like, a year thing, and not as much itself. It's alright, it's not a bad movie. Like, Marvel, even Marvel movies are average, they're just kind of, you know, you know, they're still above average compared to other movies, but still, it wasn't anywhere near as good as I originally thought. Um, looking back on it, it wasn't that great. Uh, in addition to that, um, I've kind of mellowed out on Invincible. It's still a good series. I just don't think it's as good as I made out to be. So I got a bit too excited on some things, and I was a bit too down on Encanto. That's about my mistakes this year. But, um, yeah, if you guys want to let me know if you have any differences of opinion, let me, you know, let me know. Message me on Twitter. Email me. Anything at all would be great. All right, moving on to my favorites of this year. So let's start things out with movies. So my favorite movie of this year would probably be Free Guy. Uh, Free Guy, for those of you who don't know, was about a video game, uh, basically a video game character achieving some form of sentience, and he realizes his whole world's a video game, and it's a lot of fun. It's a comedy movie. It's an action comedy. It has Ryan Reynolds as a star. The whole plot's just balls to the walls video game insanity, and it feels like it was the first step towards Hollywood actually understanding video games on a level that they can make movies about them, which I actually think is a good thing. Um, all in all, it's a really good comedy movie. I think more people need to go see it. It's really good. What can I say? Ryan Reynolds is an amazing actor. <laughs> Moving on. Um, for my favorite show this year, we have Arcane. OMG. OMG. Oh, I love this show. I've rewatched it like three times now. Arcane is a phenomenal example of it. Does It doesn't matter what your source material is, you can make a good story out of basically anything. They took League of Legends. Like, let's be real here. People don't play League of Legends for the story. No, you don't. You play it. It's a multiplayer-only game. You play it for the gameplay. If you want the story, you look it up on the wiki. <laughs> uh, it's the same argument I have with, with uh, people who play Overwatch. I played it too. You don't play the game for the lore. You read the wiki and watch videos for the lore. <laughs> but um, Arcane is just one of the most phenomenal animated series I've ever seen. It's amazing. Balls-to-the-wall action with just 
phenomenal animation. It's that Spider-Verse 2D overlaid with three uh, CGI uh, animation style that is just so gorgeous to look at. I don't, maybe I'll get tired of it after like a thousand studios try and rip it off, but it seems like one of those styles that's going to be really hard for people to cheaply rip off, so maybe I won't. All in all, I didn't think I would like this. I mostly tried it because I saw a lot of ads for it. It was something on Netflix. I didn't really have anything else to review that week. So I was like, okay, let's go ahead and try this. And I just went ballistic. I actually got a little mad that Netflix had it releasing three episodes every uh, week for three weeks. Because I was like, I just wanted to finish it. I wanted to binge it all immediately. Um, It has a strong emotional core. Amazing animation. Good voice acting. uh, Great fight cinematography. Wonderful characters. All in all, just fantastic show all around. Probably up there for me with one of the best things this year, although I'm going to give it to something else because Arcane will have a season two and I can definitely give season two uh, the best of the year. So I'm probably going to let that sit there. Although it probably would be nearly tied with my best of the year, though. Um, next up, we have the best uh, video game this year. That would be Deathloop. Now, there were not as many, like big video game releases this year. Uh, I didn't get to play a lot of them. I was very busy and I've tried to limit how many games I play. So I usually play those that really grab me. Uh, Deathloop was hundred percent worth it. It was one of the few games that's managed to actually mesh single and multiplayer gameplay very well. The story was very interesting. I really liked the concept of, you know, four times, four time period setting with four unique locations. And each one of them have different, um, you know, the maps are laid out differently depending on when you go there. Hey, you've got to have this, like, inverted clue version where you've got to figure out how to kill all these uh, key characters in a very specific way. So you've got to learn a lot about them, about their schedules. And then the multiplayer element being the only person who's aware of the time element being taken over by other players so they can hunt you down in the world to prevent you from achieving your objective was very good with the frustration multiplayer can often uh, add into a single-player game, like when you're constantly getting invaded in Dark Souls. And it was really interesting how they meshed those two directly into the story. I really, really liked that. I think it's impressive. I think a lot of people need to take notes on this. Um, all in all, Deathloop is a very stylized game. It has fantastic animation, a good core gameplay loop. It takes a lot of inspiration from uh, Arcane Studios' other things like Dishonored and Prey. Um... And yeah, I think it's a really good game. It deserves a lot more than I got. Like, I get there might be other objectively better games out there. This was just my favorite for the year. If you disagree, no big deal. Moving on from that, we have the best book of the year. This is going to go to The Last Graduate by Naomi Novik. It's her book, second book in her Scholomant series. Um, for those of you who don't know, I love Naomi Novik. She's just can do no wrong for me as a writer, except for that stupid amnesia plot in the second to last uh, Tim Rare book. I hated that so much. But aside from that, she's just done amazing work. Her Tim Rare series is one of my favorite dragon series. Um, Uprooted was just a fantastic dark fantasy. Spinning Silver was great. And now you've got the Deadly, A Deadly Education, The Last Graduate, both of which are a dark subversion of the magical school genre. Um, all in all, with good core characters like Ladriel and Orion, with a great supporting cast. The writing is really interesting, and I just love the world she's built here. It's a nice dark fantasy world. Also, she's the queen of cliffhangers, and I cannot stop thinking about it. I've re-listened to this whole book on Audible multiple times while waiting for the next one to come out. Thank goodness this next one's coming out uh, in 2022, from what I understand, so I only had to wait like a year. 
and it is killing me on the inside. <sighs> well, thanks, Naomi Novik, for giving me a great ride. Curse you for giving me a cliffhanger again. Every frickin' time. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, I've also got a special one this year. It's another um, award of sorts. And it's for Best Adaptation. And I'm going to give this to Dune. Dune managed to adapt one of the most gigantically complex works of sci-fi into an actual movie that has a coherent plot and doesn't skimp out on the themes and messaging. Thank you, Dune. It's a very well-made adaptation, great special effects. I wasn't as fond of the Mongolian Deathworm version of the Sandworms as I originally thought, but you know what? It's grown on me over time. I think it's fine. All in all, I'm very glad they decided to make this a part one, and it was a risky move considering they apparently weren't renewed for a second movie until after this one came out and, the, and they already got their uh, good box office return. So literally us getting a second one depended on how well this was doing, and I've lurked at a bookstore, okay? I work at a bookstore that's right next to a movie theater. This thing did great. Uh, we, I was actually working at Barnes & Noble while this was releasing, and we had tons of people coming in straight from the movie to look for the book. We actually got like a huge shipment of them in in order to uh, meet that demand. So yeah, this did very well. We're very lucky that the studios decided to greenlight them on a second movie. Thank goodness. We're also going to be getting a spinoff series and multiple sequels. What have we done? <laughs> the Dune Expanded Universe is a thing now, people. It's going to be a whole uh, connected universe. Get ready for it. We got the MCU and now we got the Dune uh, the Duneverse or whatever they're going to call it. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, what have we created? But yeah, they did a very good uh, job adapting a very complex work of sci-fi, a very old one too, which makes it a little hard in a lot of ways. I'm glad they stuck to their guns with just making it a part one, part two deal. So uh, yeah. And now for the thing I've been wanting to talk about since I started this, my favorite thing that came out this year, and that would be the Magnus Archives. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, Shame on you. You should know about this. I did a whole review on it. Uh, but the Magnus Archive is a horror podcast. And uh, it's basically an anthology series of sorts. Um, mostly made up of disconnected scary stories that are brought to the attention of a fictional research uh, institute called the Magnus Institute. And they accept the statements of anyone who wants to come in and give them their story about a supernatural encounter. Uh, the previous head archivist, Gertrude, vanished under mysterious circumstances, and Jonathan Sims, along with his new, his archival assistants, take over for her, only to discover a deep web of cosmic horror, monsters, and mystery that threatens to consume them. And it is a really good series that has been going on for multiple years now. I got into it around season two, um, or no, around season three, actually, three, midway through season three, yeah. Um, I binged the whole thing and started listening to it on a weekly basis. It only finished uh, March 2021. It actually finished a little while before I released my first podcast episode. Um, and it was just one of those really good works that, like, seriously, this is an amazing series. Probably one of the best horror things ever. It captures the feeling of, like, well, of crafty and cosmic horror better than most other things uh, that come out. And it manages to use its own medium in a way. Like, for example, the whole thing is uh, the setup for it is essentially you're only ever he hearing the tape recordings that the characters are making but it manages to twist that into the into like the story itself uh, with tape players and eventually just appearing at random uh due to spoilerish things I'm not getting into here 
Um, and it essentially makes the gimmick of its conceit, the idea that you can only hear select audio pieces, oftentimes only when the characters choose to record them, into an actual strength instead of a weakness. And it's a very rare medium that, it's a very rare story that figures out how to use its medium to its advantage rather than trying to work around its disadvantage. Like, for example, Lovecraftian horror has never really worked well on a, in like video formats because it's all about the horror of that which you cannot understand. And video is all about capturing something in a, you know, visual format which you can process and understand. So, a lot of times when videos are trying to, you know, make it so like, I can't understand what I'm seeing. Like, there'll just be some, like, neon light being blasted into the character's face. And it'll be a close-up on them going, like, crazy. And you will never see it. But the whole point of video formats is that you're supposed to see what's going on. Uh, the only time they've really gone around stuff like that is in things like Cloverfield, where the whole, like, you never get a clear view of the monster is a big part of the story. Um... And I feel like the Magnus Archive manages to capture Lovecraftian horror because you can only ever hear things. You can't see it. Your mind is left to imagine the horrifying things people are describing or you're hearing on the recordings. Uh, there's like one very, very like moment that sticks out to me where a mother, uh, tells, tells them, like she's giving her statement. She's like, I can't, I physically can't describe what I saw to you. The only way I can say it and I can only think about it so long before it starts hurting me to think about this is that the sky ate him. Now, whatever you're imagining from that statement, that's not what happened. It's just the best way I can describe it. I'm like, oh, that's really good. I you know, There's not really a good way to visualize that. But just her saying it, telling you whatever you think you're thinking is not what actually happened, it, it puts in you in the mind of, yeah, I'm only seeing these things at a distance. We can't ever really understand what the monsters and horror elements of this show are actually doing. And the things they describe are just the kind of things you wouldn't be able to do on anything other than, like, you know, a massive uh, budget. And even then, it would be pretty hard to visualize a lot of stuff. But I really like the way uh, they did it. It turned out very, very well. It actually got me into re- listening to some other horror podcasts. But aside from, like, one other called The White Vault, I haven't found anything that's really spoken to me. Like, I try a lot of the other horror podcasts, and I'm just like, eh, that's cute. Eh, all right. Just nothing else. Even when I went looking for other things, nothing else has given me that same sense of, like, creeping dread in the back of my mind or the really good characters and storytelling the Magnus Archives does. It's easily the best podcast, like, narrative-based podcast I've ever listened to. And if you haven't listened to it yet, you should absolutely go and listen to it. They have 200 episodes, each about, like, 20 to 30 minutes. So there's a lot of content for you. But the best part is... Most of the episodes are purely episodic. Like, very few of them are, like, continuation. There are one or two two two-part episodes, and there is an ongoing narrative, but you can listen to most of the uh, podcast episodes on their own. It's just an interesting, spooky story. So you can listen to them, like, one when you're driving to work, one when you're driving back each day, and slowly start piecing together. And you get the whole character's thing of, wait, do I know that name? I think that name came up in a previous student. Maybe I should go back and listen to that one. And it puts you into that mindset. And I just... Really love it. Like, I've basically just been spending, like, a third of this uh, po- this episode geeking out about this again. But seriously, if you haven't seen the Magnus Archives, go listen to them. It was easily the best thing that came out this year. And I think pretty much everyone should go check it out, unless you get scared easily. In which case, eh, maybe not. Oh, fun fact for my fellow Ophiophobes, for those of you who don't know, people who have a phobia of snakes. Snakes only appear in one episode, and no, it is not something that will set you off. Trust me. 
I'm set off by basically everything with snakes, and the one episode is about like a snow stone snake, so it's not like a real one. For somehow, the story about fears forgot to grab snakes, and usually I'd nitpick that. But for me, who's really, really terrified by them, like the point of feeling them brushing against my leg in my bed, like Phantom Sensation style, this was a huge relief. <laughs> Although if you're a ratnophobe, there are a few episodes you want to check. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that was basically how things went this year. I think I, I've had a lot of fun with it this year. I started back in March, and it's just been nice talking about the things I've read uh, read and listened to and watched. Um, I'm going to be continuing on to next year, and I hope that you guys will keep listening. Because it's been kind of great seeing some of my episodes do okay. All in all, yeah. See you guys next year. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, and thank you for listening to The Dragon's Library. Please, subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. The Dragon's Library releases new episodes Tuesday and Friday each week, and you can follow us on Twitter at dragon underscore library 2. If you want to suggest an episode topic, my email is in the description below. As always, thank you so much for all your support.